Our epistle lesson is from Romans 13, starting in verse 11. And you do all this. As you do, you know what time it is. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your sleep. Now is the moment. Our salvation is nearer than when we first had faith. The night is almost over and the day is near. This is the word of God for you, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Now, gracious God, Advent God, in these moments, may the words of my mouth, may the meditations of all of our hearts together in this place and in all places be found pleasing to you. O Lord, you are our rock, our redeemer, and our Emmanuel, God with us. Amen. If your family is anything like mine, then you probably looked around your Thanksgiving table or gathering of friends and loved ones this week, and someone said something like, wow, where has the time gone? Look at so-and-so. Can you believe that they've grown up so fast? It seems like just yesterday that those kids over there were the babies or the teenagers were the toddlers. It happened to me when my niece said something so sassy to her mother about not understanding how TikTok works. And I immediately had this flashback to my own teenage years and said to my sister-in-law, wow, that sounds exactly like something we would have said to our mothers when we were her age. And in what feels like the blink of an eye, the tables have turned. The roles have shifted. Now we are the ones with more and more graying hairs, stressful lives, and wrinkling skin. How is it that for so many of us, our lives seem to pass by so quickly? It's a sobering realization when it comes, like it did to many of us around the Thanksgiving table this week. But the reality is that time didn't seem to go by so quickly when we were younger, did it? Do you remember that feeling that Christmas took forever? ever to get here each year. Some years I just thought, is Christmas ever going to come? And then this year I'm a little shell-shocked standing here that it is already the first Sunday of Advent and Christmas is, yes, four weeks away from today. (laughs) 
How does that happen? Well, there's a neurologist named Santosh Kasari who, who studies this and notes that most adults actually feel this way at some point in their lives, that time went by so much more slowly in their earlier years, but then somehow speeds up later on in life. And there's actually science behind this experience of time passing by so quickly. For starters, when we are children, one year of our lives amounts to much more time of our existence percentage-wise. So, for instance, take a 10-year-old. One year is 10% of their lives, but for a 60-year-old, one year is less than 2% of their lives. Additionally, when we are children, we are constantly being introduced to new things, new ideas and experiences that leave a lasting impression on us during those memory-making times. But as we get older, we have fewer, newer experiences. The world around us becomes more and more familiar, and so we become desensitized to it all, which means that we actually process less information about what is happening around us, and time seemingly speeds up. Then factor in just how fast-paced our lives and our world has become with all of the advancements in technology, transportation, media, and communication that we've experienced in our lifetimes. We have a phone going off right now. What do you know? All of these things were created to give us more time. But the fact is that the opposite has occurred. I mean, think about written communications. Before email, you might have allotted one hour in your day to write five letters to different people. But then with the invention of electronic communications, you can quickly write about five emails in 15 minutes. Logically, this should give you 45 free minutes, but we all know that email has made us even busier with our written correspondences, so much so that now the average office worker receives 121 emails and sends at least 40 emails every single day. And so in response to all of this busyness and rush and frenetic pace of life, theologians Andy Root and David Wood write about this sobering reality that for many of us, we are actually going too fast to truly live. They write, is there a speed limit to modern life? When does our push for acceleration actually hit its threshold? Because there is abundant evidence that we are nearing or passing the limit as fault lines are becoming more and more apparent in the world around us. For example, think about the ecological crisis of our world, the crisis of democracy, even the mental health crisis. All of these things may have their origin in acceleration, they say. But the world cannot be just continually sped up. At some point, the speed itself is going to break things down. In turn, they ask, have our congregations hit a speed limit? 
And if we're moving so fast that we feel alienated, not only from ourselves, but from one another and and from the world around us, how can we begin to hear a living God speak to us? It is from this fast-paced world, from the always accelerating technology and social media that is infiltrating our lives, and even from a crazy busy season in the life of our own dear church, that we arrive here today on the first Sunday of Advent. And it is from this hustle and bustle, frenetic pace of life that I invite you to lean into the invitation of Advent this year at Highland, which is to behold. Take a moment and behold this lovely graphic on your worship folder this morning. It's created by Mary Helen and Jim England's daughter, Jennifer, inviting us to behold to lean into this very moment that is in front of us. It comes originally from the language of the angel crying out to the shepherds, Behold, I bring you good news of great joy that is for all people on that very first Christmas night. In other words, don't miss this. Be on the lookout, get ready, pay attention, set your sights on this amazing thing that is about to happen because I come bringing good news for everybody. But behold isn't a word that we often use in our everyday language. In fact, Gladys Herdman had never heard the word behold in the classic children's book, The Best Christmas Pageant Ever by Barbara Robinson. And so when she grabs the role of the angel of the Lord in the church Christmas pageant, she yells out the word Shazam, flinging her arms out in the air, smacking the kid next to her in the face. And Mrs. Bradley, the director of the play, is horrified. Out of the black night, with horrible vengeance, the mighty Marvo, Gladys goes on. I don't know what you're talking about, Gladys, Mrs. Bradley says. This is the angel of the Lord who comes to the shepherds in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night, and says, Behold, I bring you good news. Out of nowhere, right, Gladys says, in the black night, right, just like the mighty Marvo, amazing comics, shazam, she yells out, chasing all the other children off the stage. And even when the pageant comes around, since Gladys is the only one who has a speaking part, she makes the most of it and hollers all the way from the back of the sanctuary, Shazam! Hey, unto you a child is born! As if it is for sure the best news she has ever heard in her life. Shazam! Behold! These are words that catch our attention, aren't they? They force us to stop what we are doing. Like if you were not paying attention during the sermon and you just heard me say, Shazam, I bet you looked up and thought, oh, what's going on? (laughs) They force us to be present to this moment. And even if we're not using these words, I think we could all say that we have experienced times in our life that have caught our attention in that way. 
times that heightened our senses and woke us up to the sacredness of the moment that is right in front of us. Maybe it happened for you on a trip or vacation that you've been looking forward to for a long time. You had a limited amount of time to experience this new part of the world where you'd never been, and so you wanted to soak every moment, every taste, every sight, every smell in, and suddenly you began to live each and every moment in a way you hadn't before. And even though the sun rises and the sun sets everywhere, every day, without fail, this time you noticed it in a completely new way. Somehow in these moments, life became sacred. Or maybe it happened for you the semester before your graduation. Or during a time when a certain season of your life was coming to an end, suddenly you realized you had a limited amount of time left in that place or with that person, and you became attentive to details you'd never noticed before. You began to appreciate the people that Maybe you hadn't before. Somehow in these moments, life became sacred. Maybe it happened when your grandparents or your parents or someone you really love grew older or became sick unexpectedly and you didn't know how many more times you would have together. And so suddenly, even in the ordinary moments of sharing a cup of coffee or having conversation across the kitchen table, life became sacred. If we look closely at our lives, I think we would all probably say that we have encountered times when we have experienced life through the lens of beholding and paying attention in ways that we hadn't before. And suddenly in these moments, life, this one wild and precious life, becomes sacred. But then after a period of time, the plane lands. The trip comes to an end. The holiday is over. We go back to work. The clock strikes 12 and we turn back into a pumpkin. Time goes on and suddenly we enter back into our day-to-day routines. And I think today's gospel lesson that Renee read for us earlier speaks to that time in our lives, the time when we least expect anything out of the ordinary to happen, the time when we least expect God to show up. Because if we're not expecting anything surprising or unexpected, then we function on autopilot. We go about our lives with business as usual, just like the people who are described in Matthew 24. They are hard at work in the fields. They are fixing supper for their families. They are getting ready to go to bed. They're simply living their everyday lives. But this text reminds us that Jesus can break into even the most ordinary and unexpected moments. And so in all moments, our job is to behold, to pay attention, to keep awake, to be alive to this very moment that God has entrusted us. As we read in Romans, because now is the moment for you to wake up from your sleep. Of course, sometimes our inclination is to do the exact opposite of this, especially when the world around us feels so overwhelming sometimes. 
when the grief is just too much to bear, when the weight of injustice is so heavy, it's easy to want to just turn it all off, to look away, to go back to sleep, to pull the covers over our heads and turn out the lights. It's hard to behold anything when our souls are already holding so very much within us. And especially in these days when everything and everyone around us tells us that this is supposed to be the most wonderful time of the year. But the reality is that for those of us who are grieving or in pain, that couldn't feel further from the truth. And the thought of waking up Really being present in the midst of that is kind of terrifying. Friends, waking up isn't an easy thing to do. If it were, we would have all this figured out already. Waking up requires vulnerability. And that means that we are just as alive to moments of sadness and pain and loss as we are to moments of great joy. But I also believe that waking up isn't something that we are ever called to do on our own. (laughs) That is why we gather together here as a church family each and every week to bear witness to this light of Christ, this stubborn hope, and to look around this room and to remember that whatever we are beholding within us, we do not hold it alone. And so maybe one of the best things we can do this Advent is to wake up, not to ourselves, but to each other. Not to ask a passing, hey, how are you? How was your Thanksgiving? But to ask an intentional, hey, how are you really doing? And to stop and to be present enough in that moment to receive an honest answer from someone else as long as it takes. Maybe our task is to truly behold the face of God in someone else that we don't often take time for. And to sit with people in the midst of whatever they are facing and to let them know they are not alone. You see, these psychologists that I quoted at the beginning of my sermon remind us that there is another way to respond to this fast-paced, hustle-and-bustle, accelerating world in which we live. That the antidote to this frenzied and frenetic pace is to stop and behold. They offer that the most effective way to actually slow down time is to make a conscious effort to be more mindful, more aware of our experiences, just as if we were a child experiencing them for the very first time. And the most beautiful example of this actually happened this morning in the 845 service. Andrea Hunt, Jason Martin, and their son, Sebastian, lit the hope candle on our Advent wreath, And Sebastian was born at the very beginning of the pandemic, so this was his first time to experience anything like this. And those of us who were sitting on the chancel in that moment had a view of Sebastian's face that no one else in the congregation could see. And he never stopped looking at the light. 
He was absolutely mesmerized by it. He walked down the center aisle so carefully so that the light wouldn't go out, but he never took his eyes off that small flicker of light in front of him. And even after his family had lit the candle and turned back around, he actually turned his face around and kept his eyes transfixed on this light the whole way back down the aisle because he had never seen or experienced anything like this before. In those moments, for him and for us, time stood still. It was truly a sight to behold. And so I wonder if we might approach Advent in the same way that Sebastian approached the Advent candle this morning. With wonder and curiosity, stillness and amazement. Because if we are not careful, we will turn around and this one wild and precious life entrusted to us will have completely passed us by as quickly as the Advent candle will be blown out after the service today. Our job is to keep awake to behold, because now is the moment. In her poem, Night Visions, Jan Richardson writes, the season of Advent means that something is on the horizon, the likes of which we have never seen before. It is not possible to keep it from coming because it will. That's just how Advent works. What is possible is to not see it, to miss it, to turn just as it brushes past you and you begin to grasp what it was you missed, just like Moses in the cleft of the rock, watching God's hindquarters fade in the distance. So sit, tarry, linger, stay, ponder, Wait, behold, wonder, she writes. There will be enough time for running, for rushing, for worrying, for pushing. But for now, stay. Something is on the horizon. May we behold it together, Highland. Amen.